Hello, Absolute Worldy listener. Joel here just before we get started with today's first episode of season five. That's right. It's season five, the quarantine years of the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. We've got a jam-packed episode for you. Uh, First of all, please bear with us whilst we work out the audio implications of recording in separate studios. Some of the audio today is not up to our normal high standard for a podcast of our level. Uh, Second of all, the reason we have a jam-packed episode, because listeners like you got in touch and helped us out. Please do get in touch with us online uh, at Worldy Podcast on Twitter or via our new shiny email address absoluteworldypodcast at gmail.com and share with us your football related stories. They can be true, they can be false, they can be happy, they can be sad. We just want to hear from you. The more nuggets that you send us, the better the episodes will be going forward. But that's enough from me. Please enjoy Season 5, Episode 1 of the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. Hello, Absolute Worldy listener. We know where you are. You're at home. And if you're not, why are you not at home? Go home. Go home. Hi, Kyle. Hi, is that Joel? Yeah, it is. You are echoey. How are you? I'm good. I'm just, I'm trying to get close to it. You're going to try to get close to your mic. I mean, turns out, listener, that our technical, te- technological, technological capabilities are as impressive as they always have been. And uh, you'll be hearing me sounding silky smooth into your laptop, I guess. No one's listening on headphones. Why would you be? You're at home. Uh, and Kyle is going to sound slightly less good. Right, Kyle? Hey, I'll sound slightly grainy and like I'm on the phone because that is what is happening. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, how are you, Kyle? How is isolation? 
Well, I'm with Lindsay and with my wife. She's not well. I was not well. I'm now better. She's not well, and therefore we ain't leaving the house, which I'm struggling with, Joel. I'm, I'm tempted to leave every day, go for a walk, but people are still in my area. They're still pretty close on the old walking. You know, I, I'm trying to keep two, three meters apart. So I'm just staying in. I'm just staying in and keeping positive. You? I mean, I'm going to do like a loosely football-based thing. What we all need is like a, is like a referee spray. Like, <laughs> just constantly spraying a line. Everyone should constantly be spraying a line two metres apart. That'll work, right? That's a way of, of policing that. Well done for isolating our listeners, literally. I worked yep. with your football pun for those who don't really know anything about the football spray a referee has to keep the wall back in a free kick. Ten <laughs> metres, that is. Ten metres, though. It's quite a lot. Uh, yeah, I suppose it is 10 meters. <laughs> what have you been doing for fun? What haven't I been doing for fun? Um, uh, good question. What have I been doing for fun? Not a lot. Um, watching a lot of box sets. There's no football, Carl. Did you notice that? There's no football on. I know. Um, I finished Noughts and Crosses on the BBC. That's good. I, ha- I hated it. What? Why'd you hate it? It's Auntie Mallory okay. Blackman. This is not a TV podcast, but I thought the first episode was really interesting. I thought the design costume and set design and the sort of world building was good the plot of it was so shit that i wasn't even i was doing a harry potter coloring book while i was watching it by the end of episode six you were doing a what a harry potter coloring book how right okay you want to say more i mean i'm I'm more interested in the harry potter coloring book than i am in your take on mallory blackman's classic noughts and crosses great good because i've been doing that for half an hour a day and my plan is, when I'm finished, it's, it's, it's colour by numbers. Not by numbers, but it's, it's like, you know, like colouring in. Right, okay. Um, I'm doing a nice one of Ron and Harry uh, when they're in the Ford Anglia and it's dark. Fabulous. When I finish it, I'm going to tweet and try and at Daniel and at Rupert and genuinely ask if they want to buy it. <laughs> this is... You and your money-making schemes. This is as bad as that time that you planned to be Zlatan Ibrahimovic's driver. Yeah, but that, that, that was just in my mind. In, in, just in your mind. This is real. This, you're this is, I, 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 I don't know if they're on Twitter, but I'll find them. <laughs> I mean, this is what happens to us when the football gets cancelled, right? We just lose our minds. And we should talk about what happened to our friend of the pod, uh, Lily Pollard, who we heard in the intro there. Oh, yeah, we just ignored that. Played that for everyone and then completely ignored it. Friend of the pod, Lily Pollard, clearly having a men- uh, an emotional breakdown, uh, but making us an excellent piece of parody art. And also showing that the word Sainsbury's rhymes with nothing. <laughs> Getting food from a well stopped Sainsbury's. I thought that was good. I like that bit. You might remember her from the episode where we watched England's penalty triumph together yeah back in what 2018 yeah that episode entitled fff what an episode i liked her rendition it actually took me back to that time because it was obviously three lines on a shirt yeah or as we've previously established four lines on a shirt um i am i i'm internally grateful we put a shout out listener in case you didn't know uh to people that we knew and people that we didn't know who might want to contribute things to um, a loosely football-based podcast whilst we were, whilst all of us were enjoying this period of time where we can't touch each other, we can't see each other, we can't lick each other. I don't know why I said lick. Sorry, Carl. Um, 
uh, and uh, that was something that came through. Lily Pollard giving us a fantastic rendition of, of Three Lines on a Shirt. And we also have something else that we're actually going to read out together a bit later on. Uh, another listener sent in. Yeah. Oh and my God. The, speaking of friends of the pod, Joel. Yeah. Um, I've been doing workout videos on YouTube every morning from our good friend Jake Williamson, one of our listeners. Oh yeah. What are they like? They're great. I, I can't decide whether just to get fat or not. No, I'm getting fit. I just, it feels like, a, it feels like the problem is that no matter how fit you think you're going to get, because you're not really active, right? Surely everyone must be going through this. You do like a half hour workout or something, but then the rest of the day, you're just sat on your ass. No, but now like we're allowed to do isolated walks. I'm desperate to get out there and I'm doing, I did, I did a really big one. I did like a, a seven and a half kilometer walk. So if I'm doing that every couple of days and doing my, my workout, hit workout in the morning with Jake Williamson. Yeah. Great. And it, um, you should, you can find him on YouTube. Just put Jake Williamson in. He's the guy with the buff chest. I'm, if I don't have a chest like that, when by the time I'm, this is all over, he's to blame. I'm getting, um, I'm going to call it uh, horizontal gravity-based back fat. <laughs> so if you imagine, if you will, like the laptop goes on the chest, right? Or like on the stomach, the, the box set goes on and you're lying down. And so you your chin's, your chin's on your chest because that's the angle in which you're watching the, the, the screen. And like gravity is just pulling all of the loose fat into, into my love handles. It's a, it's a strong look. I think that's just called fat. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I saw Harry Kane was saying like, oh, it's really, I'm not going to do a Harry Kane impression. That's politically incorrect. Um, but he was saying like, uh, it's really tough. I'm training on my own. And I was like, I've wondered about footballers. Because right, so, so there's been rumours going around that they're all going to have their wages docked to like 70% or something. Like 70% like of their wages are going to be docked. Um, but also like, if you're a professional athlete right now, so the Olympics have just been delayed. But like, how are you training? So you must have, you must, they must all just have massive gardens and home gyms. Well, they do because they're all millionaires. Yeah. I just, it's just a thought, isn't it? It's the kind of thing you don't think about. All of these there is footballers. a footballer called um, Adebayo Akinfenwa. Oh, the um, really strong one. He's known as, uh, his, his catchphrase is beast mode on. <laughs> um, he plays for Wimbledon. He is the listener. He looks like, the least like a footballer you've ever seen. He, he looks like a bodybuilder. He's absolutely, he's about three times as wide as he is tall. Um, but he's been doing, a la Jake Williamson, he's been doing his own workout videos and they are brilliant. What, what kind, like, like, just like lifting hunks of meat? Just like, he's just, his arms and his chest are so massive that you, you know, but he's just very encouraging and he's, and it's, he's, he says squeeze a lot. And squeeze. Squeeze. I like it. I think that's, I, I should do, I should, I should be doing workouts. I'm just not. My workout is, mm, open the fridge door. Oh, there's still the same things in there that were the last time I opened the fridge door. Close the fridge door. That's it. That's my workout. How are you getting your food? Uh, we, uh, we had, we, we all went, one of us, well now, one of us per day is allowed to go to the shops in my house of uh, currently five people. Mm. Uh, and then uh, previously we did a fairly big shop, not a stockpile shop, just I'm gonna make that abundantly clear. We weren't emptying the shelves, but we're just enough to get us through, you know. Uh, and I'm a great cook, Carl, you know that about me. 
fantastic cook. Yeah, so I've been making lots of curries, lots of stews, and they last days and days and days of the same curry. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, you'll love this, Joel. I've been doing a food log. Oh, God. Are you going to, what, what are you turning into in isolation? I just like to, you know, I like lists. <laughs> <laughs> listing my sort of food intake. Your isolation diary is half an hour of colouring book, doing a workout in the morning with listener to the pod, Jake Williamson, listing all the food that you eat and going for seven kilometre walks. Sounds, I mean, absolutely, it's as delightful as it sounds. <laughs> right, shall we have a break? And then are you going to read to us this, uh, this excellent little thing we've got from a listener? Yeah, so if you follow us on, on Twitter or on Instagram, you'll see that we put a shout out for people to send us their stories, their loosely football-themed stories. They could be real. They could be made up. I suspect this one is real. It's been sent in by a listener who wants to remain anonymous. Ooh. Although, interestingly, all of their friends are named. <laughs> <laughs> so they might work out who it is. Um, but we'll, we'll read it out after this. We're back. We are. Um, can you hear me okay? I mean, let's be honest, Carl. Our listeners will give this as much of time as they're willing to give. I can hear you. Okay is an interesting uh, take on that. All right. With that in mind, let's crack on. <laughs> I have here our first listener sent send us a story. And it's got a title, Joel. It's called The Tom Jessen Story, Semicolon, A Night in Dortmund. Fabulous. Okay, here we go. November 2013, a group of excited young lads in their early 20s arrive at Luton Airport. Good airport. Been there, Joel? Uh, Luton Airport, I have, yeah. You can get there quite easily from my house. So I'm sure you can get there super easy now. Uh, <laughs> okay, so they arrive at the airport, ready to catch the early morning flight to Dortmund, Germany. Thank you for that. One of the boys, me, as in the person telling the story, yeah, has no, recently been dumped you. by his long-term girlfriend and is looking forward to a European day trip away with his mate. Oh. The fact that there's a book, yeah, I know, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah. But let's not remember, it was two, let's not forget, 2013, ages ago. Ages ago. Probably over it by now, I'd thought. Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's just looking forward to it being a European day trip away with his mates. The fact that there's a football match at the end of it only makes it sweeter. Oh. Right, lads, says George, the organiser of this trip of our lives. I've spoken with Tom Jessen, and he says when we land, he'll meet us at a local Dortmund fan pub to give us the tickets. Ooh, tickets. Did we, did we already know there was going to be a match? Um, they're going to a European day trip away. Oh, right, yeah, with you, with you. So they're going to a football match, and Tom Jessen is going to be at the local fan pub with the tickets. I am following this story. But who is Tom Jessen? That's all oh, yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Well, hopefully this story will at least include that piece of information. Yeah, but the title sort of implies it's like a, a survivor's story. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like it's going to be about... I feel like it's going to be about someone getting stabbed. Oh, God. Let's carry on. Yeah, crack on. Flashback to the previous summer where George had met Tom Jessen in Dortmund when following George's beloved Aston Villa on their pre-season summer tour of Germany. After chatting for a while, George had mentioned to Tom how his mates back home, us, had always wanted to go on a European away day, but never quite knew how to go about organising it. As luck would have it, Tom Jessen turned out to work for the Borussia Dortmund ticket office and told George that if we ever needed tickets to just get in touch, what are the chances? What are the chances? I'd say the chances are pretty slim. 
I mean, yeah, I, 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 it seems unlikely that you just randomly meet somebody who works for the Borussia Dortmund ticket office. He also said he had a massive apartment with a spare room. So if we needed a place to crash, we could just stay at his. Oh, sounds Tom. too good to be true, right? What a guy. Tom, Jessam, you legend. Okay, so it sounds like when this George and this Tom Jessam met, they must have got on like a house on fire. Yeah, because you don't just like slip. You don't just come out straight out with, oh, what, you and your mates want to do some, do a, a European away day? Well, let me tell you, I've got all the things that you need for that to happen. Like, I don't know, like, I, you know when you would like to have a foreign exchange or you do meet someone who's from another country or you're on holiday, you do tend to be a bit sort of overzealous and you're like, oh yeah, come, when you're in London, come stay with me. Oh yeah, well, I'll, you know it's not going to happen. So maybe no. it was a bit of that. Yeah, possible. Highly possible. Fast forward. Oh, I love that. We flashed back, but now we're fast forwarding to the present and we're sat on the plane. It's a good bit of writing, mate. Don't diss it. We, we can't believe we're on our way to see Borussia Dortmund take on their arch rivals Bayern Munich in a match which is sure to be heated as it will be the first time Mario Götze, once of Dortmund, returns to the city after departing for Bayern. Ooh. That was a bit of a mouthful. Keeping up with that? I kept up with it. I doubt our listener did, but I think that's not the point at this point. Two German rivals. A player has jumped from one to the other. Spice. Spice. Okay, here's another, another friend. This one's called Matt Dalton. I mean, I love the fact that we're just naming all of these actual people and not hiding their identities at all. I'm also going to put this out there, Joel. This is a bit of a spoiler for, well, not for anyone listening apart from the person who wrote this. We've mentioned Matt Dalton on this podcast before. Have we? So, <laughs> so therefore, that narrows down who this might be written by. Um, Matt Dalton has just finished writing down the names of each predicted starting 11 and is now tearing them apart and putting them into a hat ready for a first goal scorer sweepstake. Oh, that's, oh, that's sweet. They're like, mate, they're, they're, mate, come on, this is lovely. They're on the, they're on the plane and they're not, not only are they just the most excited they've ever been about going to see this, this like titanic battle of European football, but they're making it more fun. We've done sweepstakes, haven't we? We used to do videos for way before we did a podcast for our friends. We used to do little video sweepstakes for the tournament. We used to draw it like a real draw. Yeah, let's not mention that. That's kind of sad, really. One day we'll probably put them on Twitter. Yeah, when we're, when this podcast takes off and we're really famous. Or when we miss football so much. I mean, I already... <laughs> listen, I watched a video of some marbles racing each other the other day and I was genuinely intrigued. What are marbles? As in, literally, some guy on... It's really worth checking out. Marble races, they're fantastic. You literally... Some guy does commentary and has set up this, like, tracks with enough, like, downwards that the marbles can race each other. And then he commentates the marbles racing. It's, fa- oh, it's really, it's really, if you're in need of a sporting dose, <laughs> it's good watching. Oh, that sounds horrendous. Should I carry on? <laughs> yeah, we're on the plane. Matt Dalton's ripping up names. The air hostess comes over and the beers are ordered. Lads, I put oh, that in. God. I sit mine throughout the duration of the flight because beer is gross and I've never enjoyed drinking it. <laughs> I think I might know who this is. Matt, oh, another Matt. Matt Lampy this time. Matt Lampy, on the other hand, who grew up in a pub, has already seen off two and is now panicking about when he'll be able to have his next one. Oh, Brits abroad. Bloody hell. Oh, those bloody louts. Also, air hostess. It's old-fashioned, isn't it? What would you prefer? Um, flight steward. Flight steward? Air steward? Air steward? What do you call people? What do you call? Air crew. Air, uh, air flight crew. Cabin crew. Yeah. Cabin crew. Anyway, we land in Dortmund and whilst waiting for a bus to take us into a town, into town, a fellow passenger spots the Dortmund scarf around George's neck. I want to do a German accent. I won't do it. Oh, we're in isolation. I'll give you permission. Are you going to the game? <laughs> Sorry, did you, did you say you were going to do a German accent? Yeah, that was my German accent. <laughs> 
are you going to the game? He asks. We tell him our story and he tells it. Oh no, hang on, he's not German. <laughs> <laughs> we tell him our story and he tells us that he is a reporter for the Sun newspaper Blimey. and is writing an article about Brits traveling abroad to watch European football. Just little caveat, hashtag don't buy the sun. Continue. Wow, that's like a, this is becoming like a story within a story here. Yep. He asks us if we'd be prepared to meet after the game for a quick interview about how we found the match. Absolutely, we all say as we swap numbers. We're going to be famous. Except don't buy the sun, don't read the sun, don't talk to sun reporters. Continue. Joel, I, I don't want to break this to you, but I actually just brokered a deal with the sun to sponsor the podcast. The Absolute Worldy Podcast, sponsored by Redacted. <laughs> The bus takes us to the centre of Dortmund. It's early Saturday morning, but already a crowd has gathered in your typical German Christmas market square. The word for Christmas in German, Joel? Oh, crap, I forgot. Weihnachten. Weihnachten Markt. Weihnachten Markt. Christmas markets. You and I have done, done a fair few Christmas markets in our time. I think I ate, meat at, that, I ate meat at that point. I wasn't, you know, a staunch supporter of Vegan FC. I think I had many bratwurst and many a Weihnachten Markt. Well, that's very good because the next word in the story is bratwurst. Yeah, they're the best. Veal sausages. Right, right. It's being eaten and enormous beers are being sunk. God, take the beers away from these guys. Oh, Brits abroad, mate. They're all the bloody same. And, you know, Germans like a beer. Anyway, you can hear the chanting before you even see the crowd. We get straight in amongst it. Matt Lampy is buying the beers for this trusty sidekick, Matt Watts. Yes, there are three Matts on this trip. Bloody hell, Britain. Can we not name people? <laughs> I don't know why that's an indictment on the whole of Britain, but it feels like it is. All the mats in the market drinking. George is struggling to find any vegetarian options at the sausage stand, and Matt Dalton is doing his usual and disappearing into a crowd of people, only to emerge an hour later with a group of brand new best mates. See, I, I tend to do that, I think. Is that, a th is that bad? Uh, it depends on the kind of personality you are. Me and the author of this uh, piece clearly have the same approach to strangers. In that, I, my, when you come back from places drunk, like with like new friends you've made, I inevitably don't trust them. <laughs> yeah, but okay, when you're with schoolmates though, you, you they're pretty much like family. You grow up with them. You don't you don't like you you, you can pick you can chuck them and you bring pack, pick them up again. It's fine. Yeah, ish. No, it's obviously, it's obviously not. Okay, so Matt Dawson says, this guy here, he sits in the yellow wall. <gasps> the yellow wall is the name of Dortmund's infamous terrace behind the goal where their diehard supporters will stand. Oh, oh this, this guy's German. You guys have come all the way to Dortmund for the match? Wow, that's awesome. Yep, that's German. <laughs> the German fan says to us in perfect English, yeah, we reply, trying to remember our GCSE German. Where are you sitting, he says. Oh, uh, somewhere at the side, George replies. Well, if any of you want to sit in the wall, we have two spare tickets. <gasps> Tempted, we decide it's best to stay as a group and politely decline. I feel like that might be important. Yeah, I mean, for any listener that doesn't know what the yellow wall is, it's a single tier stand where the diehard German uh, Borussia Dortmund fans sit. Uh, they often have like huge flags and displays at the end of every game. The Dortmund uh, players go to the wall and do like a like raising their arms thing that like Jurgen Klopp started when he was their manager. It's like one of like the, the, the most exciting places in football to imagine. And they just turned down a couple of tickets. But I don't know how many guys we've had three Matthews and a George and this and the, 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 the narrator. That's at least five. Yeah, so it would have meant splitting the group. Yeah, I can see why they didn't. They've got to stay together. Yeah, and they're going to go sit in the side view and have a lovely time anyway. And you want to be able to film the yellow wall. 
So I, I understand. A few more hours pass and George is constantly checking his phone, messaging Tom Jessen to tell him we're in Dortmund and can meet him whenever he wants. Tom shoots back on Facebook Messenger that he is about an hour outside Dortmund but getting a train in later with a few friends and they can meet him at the station a couple of hours before kickoff. Great. That means more drinking. Yeah, I, I, I think I've made my opinion on that particular side of things abundantly clear. Alum, alarm bells for me. Alarm bells. Why? Yeah, Facebook Messenger. Well, what does that mean? That... Well, you only send that if you don't want to give someone your number. Ooh, okay. Anyway, as the crowd in the square slowly shrinks with fans exiting to head to the stadium, we make our way to the train station to meet Tom. He and George are back and forth on Messenger, arranging a time and place to meet. We're buzzing. Not long and we'll be in the stadium for what's sure to be one of the best matches of the season. Cool, says George. Tom's train is just getting in, so if we wait here, he'll come meet us. We'll gather around a lamppost. Fuck this, says Matt Lampy. I'm starving. This Matt Lampy is a bit of a, um, I'd say a bit of a greedy character. Greedy? Well, he wants the beers. He, he can't get enough beers. He's hungry all the time. Yeah, I suppose. Matt and a few others head off to a nearby Burger King. I wait with George and Matt Watts. We can see the train pull in from where we are standing. We're excited. We see a wave of black and yellow scarves, shirts, hats, the colours of Dortmund. All exit the train and head in the direction of the stadium. We wait patiently as the fans move past us. In a moment, Tom will appear and give us our tickets. As the last two fans exit the station, Tom is nowhere to be seen. Hmm. That doesn't bode well. Uh, George looks slightly concerned. Are we at the wrong station? George gets his phone out to message Tom to check his whereabouts. Suddenly, fuck. What? Fuck, I'm so sorry, lads. What do you mean, George? Oh, God. We've been had. They've been had. What does that mean? There's got to be more information than that. George shows me his phone screen. Tom Jessen has just blocked George on all forms of social media. Did they pay? I'm not sure yet. Have you got his number, though? I ask. No, we've just been texting on this messenger app thing. Fuck. We've got no way of contacting him then. Matt Lampy and co arrive back from Burger King. Where is he then? You got the tickets? George, devastated, explains what just happened. No, you're joking, right? You got the tickets, they say, thinking he's winding them up. No, honestly. Fuck. He's probably sat in a pub across the road with his mates laughing at someone says. I'm confused. Why, why, is some, why are all the Matthews characterised and George, but there's always these other someones? Why are they yeah. keeping out of it? I mean, he's, whoever the author is, protect, is protecting their identities. GDPR, but only half-assed GDPR. George says, let's just go to the stadium and see if they've got any spare tickets there. We know they won't, but there's not much else we can do. We've been had. The idea that he's watching us laughing is too much to handle. We leave. The night in Dortmund is falling apart. Oh my God, it's so sad. We arrive at the stadium. The ticket office queues are enormous. The fans are being turned away for not having tickets. Counts of flogging tickets for up to 500 euros. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I mean, that's what you want, right? You go all that way, you get the flights, you spend all the money on all the beers and all the bratwurst and all the Burger King, Brits abroad. 500 euros a ticket. And then this is really sad. It's not worth it, is it? They even thought about it. <laughs> a few are keen, but by now others are completely deflated. No, forget it. Let's just go into town and try and watch it in a pub. Oh my God, it's so sad. We head back into town, cursing Dortmund and cursing Tom Jessen. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see them like walking down the street going, Tom Jessen! <laughs> just waving their fists at the sky. The only place showing the match that will let us in is a pizza restaurant. It actually doesn't look too bad. The place is full of football fans and they are selling beer. 
few. What a relief. Yeah, I mean, we, we've had at least two minutes without beer. And also, the reader just said that he didn't even like beer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we sit down to watch a match. The atmosphere looks incredible. The yellow wall is bouncing. Fuck, says Matt Dalton. That guy had two spare tickets for that. Probably too late now. <laughs> To me, this is reading a lot like the Inbetweeners. Yeah, it feels a lot like the Inbetweeners do football. It could be Inbetweeners 3, the Tom Jessen story. <laughs> Who would play Tom Jessen? I guess we're not going to meet him, so it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> okay. We I mean, that would be, can I just say that would be the biggest twist ever if they, if they do somehow suddenly meet Tom Jessen? Well, it's not over yet. Let's keep going. We tuck into pizza as the game kicks off. A rowdy lad at the front is chanting. George is glued to his phone. I don't remember who or how, but we meet a guy who, once we explain the situation, tells us that he thinks he knows who this Tom Jessen guy is and that he drinks at a local pub. No effing way. Let's go find him, someone says. That, and that, that, that dodgy someone that's remaining unnamed. Nah, let's just watch the game first. The match itself was a nightmare for Dortmund. They got hammered 3-0 and Mario Gotza scored. Uh-oh. <sighs> The rowdy lad at the front of the pizzeria was so angry that he punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. I once broke my phone screen when uh, my football team conceded a goal. I once uh, lost my brother's house keys when Chelsea won the Champions League. Anyway, we all had to leave. Outside and fueled up on alcohol, the idea to go find Tom Justin is raised again. Does anyone know where that pub is? Another local tells us it's only up the road, but advises us not to go there as it's a Hell's Angels pub. Oh my God. Beard up. In between us, style British lads going to a Hell's Angels pub to have a fight with someone who might or might not be there does not bode well. Do you know what? Should we say what Hell's Angels is? My motorcycle gang. Everyone knows there who the Hell's go. Angels are. Well, they know now. Motorcycle gang. Fuck George. You didn't tell us he was in the Hell's Angels. Fuck it. We're still going. George <laughs> phone starts to ring. Is it Tom? Why would it be Tom? It's, ne- it's that, never that was- gonna be Tom. Tom doesn't that wasn't care. Me. That was in the script. That was in the. the that was in the writing. <laughs> Why would it be Tom, but we hope? It was George's dad. George explains what happened and that we're on our way to confront this man at a Hell's Angels bar. His dad tells us not to be, quote unquote, dickheads. Yep, I'm with George's dad on that one. The boys from Hertfordshire decide not to try and start a fight at a Hell's Angels bar and instead opt to find another pub. Yeah, I mean, frankly, if they had gone to fight the Hell's Angels, this story would have taken a turn that I hadn't expected. But also, the boys from Hertfordshire, I think that sort of meant as like, they are obviously supposed to be that's that's them taking the mick out themselves right or the writer taking the mick out but the hertfordshire men have a, a rap for being wimps you're from hertfordshire you tell me oh my god joel spoiler alert maybe i have some connection to this this mythical writer <laughs> um do you what do you think of people from hertfordshire what would be your sort of assumption well i know that there are two types of people from hertfordshire there's people from hertfordshire and people from hertfordshire right so that- which one of these then I'm pretty sure these, these boys might be from Hertfordshire, not Hertfordshire. <laughs> Should we crack on? Yeah, crack on. George's phone goes off again. It's the Sun reporter. He wants to meet. Oh, God, don't buy the Sun. We decide this is our opportunity to have our voices heard. We meet and tell him the story. He tells us to go to the police. We go to the police. George and myself are sitting in a police station questioning room. George giving his statement. Oh, my God, they went to the police because they're stupid. I mean, it's a crime. He did, did how much we've never established if money changed hands already. Maybe the policeman will get that out of them. Yeah. Do you have his phone number? That's German. That's a German policeman. Yep. I, 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 it's uncanny your German accent. No, we've been messaging on this app thing and he's blocked me from it now, replies George. Do you have his bank details from where you transferred the money? Here's the kicker, I think. 
No, I sent him cash because he said he was having problems with his account. George hears it as he says it. I look at him. He looks at me. He knows. Do you have his address from where you sent the money? I sent it to a pub. He said it was in between. He said he was in between addresses. What? The- George, 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 mate, George. You, I, I can't. I don't even know what to say. What? And also. If any of the others had found this out before they left the UK for, for Dortmund, surely they would have been like, well, mate, this is bollocks. Also, do you, how do you send money, like cash in an envelope? Through the you send an envelope of cash to a pub and thought that that was going to be enough to buy the ticket. George, this is not good. I would never do that simply because of the episode in The Simpsons where you watch the, the, all the postmen taking cards and presents out envelope sure or you would never do that because it's the stupidest thing i've ever heard you might as well just go for the club i mean i just that doesn't make any sense if imagine if you've gone all that way and then you suddenly find out that the person had bought the tickets hadn't bought any tickets they just sent an envelope of cash to a random pub but also don't forget joel they haven't paid any money for accommodation they probably went on easyjet it's luton that's the home of EasyJet. They've only, they've only spent about 20 quid so far. Oh, crap. Where are they going to sleep? Weren't they going to sleep in Tom Jessam's flat? <laughs> Let's find out. Uh, so the policeman says, there's nothing I can do. I'm dropping the accent. There's nothing I can do for you, boys. All I can say is that I'm sorry. He gives us that, this is a lesson look, the way a parent would. Oh, that was nice. We leave the police station and meet back up with the rest of the group. It's the early hours of Sunday morning now and the pubs and clubs are closing, we suddenly realise we have nowhere to sleep as we oh. were going to stay at all. The collective brain cells of this crew, I'm not, I'm not hugely impressed. <laughs> I mean, you would be livid at George. I, I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't be able to talk to George. It does seem weird now that a complete stranger would offer his home to six lads he didn't know. Yep. <laughs> Which means you've got the writer, George, three Matthews, and the someone is just one other person. <laughs> The writer, George, three Matthews and someone. The writer and this one person who's decided to, to protect his identity. He's done a right out of this situation. No one even knows who he is. Yeah. Anyway, we jump in a taxi and we head back to the airport. Upon arriving at the airport, it appears we are the only ones there. The check-ins are closed and the flights are not for a few hours. We find an empty cafe to sit in. There is no staff about and the fridge has some beers in it. A couple of the boys help themselves. Oh, Brits abroad. Classic. I mean, they're despondent, but I hope they pay in the morning. I, I don't see it happening. I lie down on a bench seat and fall asleep. I awake a few hours later to the screams of a German woman shouting at a half-naked Matt Watt lying spread out on the floor of the cafe. Why is he half-naked? Why? Is, why? why? <laughs> it's morning now and the airport is full of people. The lady what? is furious, shrieking at him. Why is he half-naked? I don't understand. I imagine she is telling him to get dressed and leave. All right, says Matt, putting on his trousers. Why has he got his trousers off, Kyle? (laughs) Kyle, why are his trousers off? There's no reason. It's literally Neil's on the Invertrinas. Why did he take his trousers off? I don't understand. Maybe the writer can enlighten us. None of us know why Matt decided to take off his clothes before falling asleep in an airport cafe, but if you knew Matt Watts, this wouldn't surprise you. Yep, good. Keep going. (laughs) Well, now we all know Matt Watts. I'm not sure I want to know Matt Watts. Sorry if you're listening, Matt Watts. We board our plane and head home. George turns to us and says, we won't be talking about this when we get back. <laughs> yeah, put it on a podcast. Nah, mate, we say, we'll be telling this story forever about the time we all paid 300 quid to go to a pizzeria <gasps> in Germany for the night. Oh my God, 300 pounds. And that is the end of the Tom Jessen story, A Night in Dortmund, or what I'm going to call In Between Us Three, 
a night in Dortmund. Everyone's talking about the football. Do you want to talk with me I think I may as well say it now. Um, I've worked out through the fact that of the names of the people, this has been written by my brother. <laughs> Didn't he want this anonymous, Kyle? Well, he should have chucked all his mates under the bus, apart from that one someone. <laughs> Who's the someone? I don't even know! <laughs> um, but thank you, Taylor, for, for sending that in. Um, uh, you've really, he's going to be so annoyed you've named him. He asked to be I anonymous. He, I, I mean, I've got so many questions. Have you forgiven George? Who is a mysterious extra person? Why did Matt want to take his trousers off? Why? What? I just, look, I, I think the real problem here that I and hopefully all of our listeners will, will have with this is, at what point did George, when he met Tom on his summer jollies, go, this man is trustworthy enough that he will definitely be worth sending £300 ahead to, to a pub, not to a person, to a pub, in order to get tickets and a flat for? Like, I, 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 yeah. He must, sure. have, he must have really charmed him. Clearly. I mean, what? This is just completely m- madness. Utter madness. Also, I, I've just remembered that, he, that Tom Jessen is real because George did meet him before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or did he? Or did George make this whole thing up and actually he just saw a deal online and was like, oh, I'll get that deal. And it was a joke and a ripoff. I, I mean, I, I sincerely doubt that. I think that this Tom person is a real person who's managed to... He must have met George and gone, this guy's gullible enough for me to be able to rip off down the line. And sorry, George. And sorry, right. boys. That sounds horrendous. True, though. But thank you for sending it in, Taylor. And hopefully uh, we'll be reading another one in our next episode. Indeed we shall. Kickball with football, yeah. So, Carl, as well as people emailing us stories, both true and false, sad and uplifting, all loosely based around football. I mean, that story was very loosely based around football. Um, uh, uh, I've also, uh, I also have, have had some, uh, I've had some voice messages come in uh, from uh, the actor, the writer, the comedian, the one-man storytelling army that is James Rowland. Um, I, uh, he said, do you want to interview me? I asked him some questions. Uh, he sent us these answers. Do you want to listen? Um, yeah, and I think we should try and do one of these to end every episode until we can be face-to-face again. Yeah, let's do that. We'll just keep doing e-interviews at a distance. So, uh, so uh, there's obviously no bulletin because there's no football. Uh, we've had that amazing story for, from, uh, as Carl's re- revealed, his brother, um, also, thank you so much to Lily Pollard for that uh, brilliant cover of Three Lions on a Shirt in Isolation. And we'll be putting out another one of these, hopefully, next week, if not sooner. And if you want to get in touch, it's at Weldy Podcast on Twitter. And Absolute Weldy Football Podcast on Instagram. And if you want to drop us an email, it's absoluteweldypodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear your stories. We want to share them with the world. Get in touch. Write something new. Write something fictional. We want to hear from you. We've got nothing better to do and neither do you. So let's Also, if you, if you do want to stay anonymous, I promise I won't reveal you again if you really want that. <laughs> anyway, here is my ridiculous interview with James Rowland. We'll see you again soon, listener. Bye-bye. Bye. Kickball with football, yeah. Delighted to be joined by James Rowland. Uh, uh, lately touring the UK with his uh, Songs of Friendship, a trilogy of one-hour storytelling plays. Uh, Lovely to have you here, James. Uh, I'm just going to throw some questions at you. Um, What was your earliest football memory? Um, I've heard that you uh, nearly turned professional at one point. 
Uh, could you tell us a little bit about, about that? And can you also tell us maybe about a time that you came into contact with someone famous for football? I know it's unusual to start with three questions straight off the bat, but, you know, I'm an unusual interviewer. What a treat. My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. Well, I'm going to start with the middle question now, which is uh, the rumours. I can't believe you heard about them, about me nearly... Nearly, t- nearly turning pro. I assume, I assume that maybe you're talking about as a performer. Um, I'm hoping one day to make all of my income from it. Um, uh, but if you're talking about being a footballer, well, yes, of course, I have, I have got mad skills with a Z. Um, but <laughs> I think um, the closest I came to uh, being a professional footballer was being in the second team of my primary school football team because I grew up in Manchester our first game uh, we uh, were playing against a posh school and I played against Eric Cantona's son according to the rumours Eric the King wasn't there Eric Cantona wasn't actually there at the time but apparently his son was on their second team Um, I believe we won my team won Um, I was uh, brought in off the subs bench and uh, nobody passed the ball to me it's strange that I remember all of those details about that one game of football but um here we are I guess here we are indeed uh odd to choose to answer the middle question first um sure uh, it's fine you you can control the interview as much as you want I'm a very giving interviewer uh that that first question though uh earliest football memory my earliest football memory was uh <laughs> my earliest f- football memory was of um my uh dad dressing me entirely head to head to foot in a coventry city uh, uh f- football footballing costume and uh sending me to work in the football stands selling newspapers to old gentlemen who used to chew on tobacco and shout curse words at the football players if they didn't kick it good. The famous person from football that I met, I actually once met uh, the Queen. Um, and she's famous for being in charge of all of football. She's very much the head of, of the state of both football. Um, she's, uh, she, she gives away the FA Cup. She would. She used to give away the FA Cup until her arms got too tired. Um, and if you listen to the rumours, her husband got too dead. Um, and, uh, and so that's, I met the Queen. Um, oh, we were just hanging out. Um, it's a lockdown. you got to spend your time. We were on, um, we did like one of those online hangouts. Uh, anyway, she's the fam- most famous person I know I have met from football, except for obviously uh Gino De Campo of course Gino uh famously a center back for Bari in the mid 90s uh that's a niche cooking football crossover gag it sounds like you really uh know your stuff uh the queen Gino De Campo Eric Cantona these are such um Football references. You you a bit of a football buff, James? Well, obviously, as uh, I have <laughs> already made reference to, I did grow up in Manchester, the home of football. Um, after it left home, wherever it was actually born and raised, it 
it's found a happy. It lives in Manchester now. That's where it lives. Happy football home from football. Um, but uh, I'm gonna start this one again. Oh, this is a live interview, pal. Uh, don't quite know how you're gonna start this one again. Um, you've made it awkward now. Um, cool. Um, I think the similarities between a world-class international striker and being a uh, very little-known. Uh, and constantly touring solo storytelling performer are manifold. We're athletes. We have to keep our bodies in peak physical condition. Um, we like to fuck. Um, and obviously all big fans of Dr. Dre. Wow. Uh, cool. Didn't ask about the similarities between you and an international striker. Um, that's... Uh... Good to know, though. Um, you've made it awkward. Um, frankly, I think I think most people will will have have have, have found this combative and uh, difficult interview. But but thanks so much um, for being here, uh, James Rowland. Like all actors, you can currently see him in his pants in his front room, crying. Uh, great. Uh, thanks so much for being here, James. Uh, absolute pleasure, Joel. Um, I would say, I mean, I guess maybe I'm losing my mind at the moment, but it just feels a little bit weird, mate. Um, you feel like, it feels like you've been a bit grumpy with me. I don't understand this competitive interview style. I, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, it's been a real pleasure. Um, oh God, uh, flipping, what time is it? Yeah, it's time to start drinking. Nine in the morning is not too early, is it? Uh, love you, bye. Thank you, bye-bye. That was the Absolute Weldy Football Podcast by Kyle Ross and Joel Samuels with theme music by Adam Janosz-Bazowski and Amachada Patel. Absolute Weldy is dedicated to the memory of Liam Seeker. Please do remember to like, share, subscribe, follow us at Weldy Podcast on Twitter, Absolute Weldy Football Podcast on Instagram, and drop us a line anytime at absoluteweldypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Well, just let me, let me know when you want to start. Now. Ha, 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 ha.